And welcome back to another episode of the 49er Way Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Sahoda. Hope everyone's having a great week so far. And of course, this upcoming week should be a good one for all you football fans as we've already had a Monday night doubleheader, which was a great doubleheader. We'll have Tuesday night football and Thursday night football this week, obviously followed by a fantastic slate in week 14 on Sunday as well. So a big week ahead and also a little fun fact. Hopefully by the end of the NFL season, if everything finishes on time, this will be the first ever NFL season where there had been an NFL game on every day of the week. Of course, week 15 and 16, there will be Saturday games on Christmas Day, which is on a Friday. The Vikings play the Saints. So there you got Friday night football. We've had Wednesday night football, Tuesday night football, and of course, Monday and Thursday has been the usual Thursday and Monday night football. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I mean, I guess there's been a positive from this whole pandemic thing. But, I mean, hey, that's more football for us. That's been great. I mean, obviously, we haven't been able to attend any games in person. But I guess that's been a nice uh, a nice consolation prize, if you will. On to today's episode, we will recap the 49ers' ugly loss to the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. We will recap the rest of Week 13 crown this week's weekly award winners and take a look at the updated playoff picture and of course look ahead to week 14. Well let's get right into it and we'll start off with Monday night's game between the Niners and the Bills. The Bills won this game 34 to 24. The Bills improved to 9 and 3. Niners fall to 5 and 7 and uh, I I mean I'm not totally surprised by this game. I'm really not. I think you know, I had a feeling going into this game that I just didn't feel like if the Niners got behind, I didn't think Nick Mullins had enough in him to duel with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. And my goodness, the way Josh Allen played last night was was fantastic. I got to give the credit where it's due. He was on fire and the Niners D just had... They, they had no answer for him all night. The pass rush just wasn't there. The secondary... They did not, it really was not their best effort in their best game. Stephon Diggs almost went for 100. Cole Beasley did go for 100. I believe it was a career-high day for him. But it just overall wasn't a very good performance on offense or defense. And, you know, they got off to a good start. And then after the first quarter, it was just a, a downhill struggle from there for the Niners. And, you know, they had a hard time getting Debo Samuel involved up until late in the game. They had a hard time getting the running game early, and that really didn't get going at all, all night, to be quite honest. I think the only bright spot on offense was Brandon Ayuk. He was phenomenal once again, and has turned out to be a bright spot in this 49ers offense all season long. But yeah, I mean, the the secondary struggled a lot. I mean, there were a lot of miscommunication errors. It, It just didn't, it didn't quite look like the 49ers secondary from a week ago when they played the Rams when they were really on their game they they just didn't look in sync at all I mean Richard Sherman struggled Jason Verrett I think was all right for the most part the safeties definitely struggled Dante Johnson got his first start at the nickel corner because obviously K1 Williams has been injured Jamar Taylor who filled his spot he is now gone for the year and then Emmanuel Mosley who is normally our starting cornerback would have been starting nickel for Jamar Taylor. He was inactive yesterday with an injury, so it went down to Dante Johnson. 
And I can tell Dante Johnson struggled a little bit. It, it wasn't a totally bad effort. I think he did a, a pretty good job overall, but it definitely didn't look like he was that comfortable and Cole Beasley had his way. And of course, at the end of the day, I like I've, I've been a broken record for the past, not even just the season, for a long time. I always tell this to anyone in the game of football. If you commit penalties and you turn the ball over, never expect to win games. And that's how it's been for every team in football. If you penalize yourself and you turn the ball over, you're never going to win games. And Kentavious Street had an absolutely horrific penalty in that, I believe it was the, no, I think it was the second half in the third quarter. It was a huge, the Niners needed that stop. I mean, if if they just let Josh Allen through, throw the ball out of bounds, it would have been a third and 18. The Niners could have forced a punt and they would have been only stuck 10. But unfortunately, that's not how it went. The penalty gave the the Bills life, gave them an automatic first down, and they ended up scoring and building the lead. And it's just boneheaded moves like that 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 isn't going to help the 49ers cause down the stretch here. But, I mean, that wasn't all the bad news in this game. The Niners, they just couldn't stop Josh Allen flat out. Josh Allen was fantastic all night long. He, he had his way, and I knew that was my fear going into this game, that Josh Allen being the mobile quarterback that he is, the Niners were going to struggle. The Niners haven't been good against mobile quarterbacks, even dating back to last year. They weren't good against mobile quarterbacks, and they haven't been good against them this year either. And yesterday really proved to it. But it's not like Josh Allen torched the 49ers defense in the run game. It was the pass game that Josh Allen completely torched this 49ers defense. But it just it just was not a good effort by this defense and Robert Sala's squad. It really looked like it early that they were having their way, but... Josh Allen and the Bills adjusted better than the Niners defense did. But before I get into the Niners team notes and break down that game fully, I kind of just want to shout out the Buffalo Bills. I mean, 9-3, and three, I mean, that was the first Buffalo Bills game I've watched from beginning to end all year long. I've watched bits and pieces of them, but I mean, it's pretty cool to see the Bills succeed. I mean, you know, I'm from Toronto in Canada, and the closest team, the NFL team to us is the Buffalo Bills, and you know, a lot of the local games I usually get on TV, on the networks, are Buffalo Bills games. And it's been like that since I started watching football, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I've been, you know, the Bills were always the one team on TV. And I have seen the Trent Edwards days, the J.P. Lossman days. And, you know, it, it's it's been the good, the bad, and the ugly for the Buffalo Bills. They've never won the division, at least in my lifetime. So, I, I think it's pretty cool to see them play this good, look this good, and be a playoff team, at least for the last, you know, three, four years, ever since Sean McDermott took over for them. But yeah, I just want to give a, quite, a quick shout out to the Buffalo Bills and the Bills Mafia. I mean, you know, they they deserve it. They've been an extremely loyal fan base, and they're well on their way to a division title. I mean, it's it's definitely not locked up yet. The Miami Dolphins are lurking right there. And the Bills have a few tough games coming up. They got a huge one against Pittsburgh next weekend. But I'll give a shout out to the Bills, man. They look good. And if Josh Allen keeps this up and going into the playoffs, they're not going to be an easy out. But back to the 49ers, of course, it's a different story. They fall to 5-7. and seven, And of course, now they are now forced to win out and win all four games to get into the postseason. We'll talk about that a bit later on. But things are things are the odds are stacked against the Niners. But having said that, the odds have been stacked against them all year long, but let's get into some team notes here, and we'll start with 24 first downs. The Niners' offense, for the most part, 
they were able to move the ball down the football field. It's not like they weren't able to move the ball, you know, just a few dumb penalties, a few, you know, annoying turnovers here and there that just cannot happen, really slow down the drives. But for the most part, the Niners were definitely able to move the ball up and down the field. That wasn't the problem. They were 6 for 11 on third downs. They weren't horrible on third downs. 0 for 1 on fourth down. But I think we all know this 49ers team. When they don't rush for over 100 yards on the ground, it usually ends up in a loss. The Niners rushed the ball for 86 yards. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, once again, just never really got it going at any point in time. And the Niners weren't able to consistently get the run game going. And that's a problem because it's clearly evident that the 49ers cannot rely on Nick Mullins in the passing game to you know, come up clutch. You know, I, I saw a bunch of tweets after the game last night saying that, Kyle Shanahan was hoping that this would be a game similar to the Week 14 game against the Saints last year and just an absolute shootout. And, you know, in that game, we didn't have a consistent rushing attack either, and we had to rely on the pass game a lot more. But the key difference is we had Jimmy Garoppolo in that game, and we had George Kittle in that game. I mean, those two practically won us that Saints game last year. In this game, we didn't have either of them. And I knew that going into this game... I just didn't think Nick Mullins would have enough in him if we got behind early to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. I just just didn't think that he had it in him to do it, and and I was proved to be correct. When we went down 17-7 at halftime, I I was just like, I don't don't know if if we're going to come back and win this game, and I proved to be correct. 316 passing yards on the day. I'm not going to lie, I was a little disappointed with how much Kyle Shanahan dialed up play action passes as opposed to running plays, and I kind of looked to, I believe it was either the first or second drive of the third quarter, where first and 10, Niners start from their own 20-30 yard line, and I'm like, okay, you know, we're going to run the football. It turns out to be a play action pass, Nick Mullins almost throws an interception. Gets to second and 10. They start in the I formation. I'm thinking, all right, we're going to get a nice running play, gain of five, make it a reasonable third down. Nope. It's another play action pass. And what happens? Nick Mullins throws an interception. Was it was it his fault? No, not really. The interception took a few unlucky bounces and into the hands of a Bills defender. Unlucky. But at the same time, a turnover is a turnover. And it's just not acceptable. We are a run-first team. I don't understand why... We don't run the football more. And it was just one of those games where Shanahan's play calling, there was just a lot of passing. And it was just, I I just don't know why we didn't run the football more. But this game was really a tale of two halves because there were moments where I was like, wow, the 49ers offense looks really good. It's not like we weren't able to move the ball down the field. We were able to move the ball down the field. Just execution wise, it just wasn't there in in the big moments when we needed it most. It was a penalty happen or we didn't convert on a fourth down or or whatever it was or a turnover. Just something went wrong. And it was it was just one of those nights for the 49ers. 402 total yards, like I said, you know, moving the ball down the field was was not much of a problem for the 49ers in this game. But the defense allowed 449 yards. I mean, I knew I was concerned at the beginning of this game with Josh Allen being a mobile quarterback and, you know, he's a dual threat. He can run, he can pass, but it wasn't his running game in this in this game. It was his ability to pass the football. Josh Allen torched the 49ers defense in this game, and it wasn't even close. Josh Allen had a day, and this Niners defense struggled all night long. And, 
you know, giving up two turnovers, that's not going to help in this game. The 49ers did force a turnover early on in that game, and that was huge. And the Niners defense got off to a good start, but it just they just could not end it, right? And seven penalties, that's not going to help, you know, your cause at all. And the Niners, they only forced one Buffalo punt, and that didn't come until the fourth quarter. Time of possession, Buffalo dominated San Francisco, 34 to 25 minutes. So you kind of get the, the just here. I mean, overall, it just, it was a game that I think we all kind of knew it was going to be like this. Buffalo was a good football team. They're 8-3, and three, now they're 9-3. and three. You know, they're among, you know, the AFC's best teams in the AFC. The Bills are good. And I, and I made, you know, I think the Bills might be the best team left on the 49ers schedule going into this game. I honestly thought so. And I know the Cardinals and Seahawks are division games, and we know how those games can get. But the Bills are no pushover, and I knew that this was going to be a very tough game. But the 49ers just got outplayed, bottom line. On to some individual notes, there's not too many here. Nick Mullins, 26 for 39, 316 yards, three touchdown passes, two interceptions. Again, Mullins was not horrible. You know, he was good, but he just wasn't amazing in this game. And and to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen with the year that he's having, we needed Nick Mullins to be amazing. And the glaring... The glaring stat on that stat sheet is two interceptions. Nick Mullins, that's been Nick Mullins' problem. You you cannot turn the ball over. And like I mentioned, the run game just wasn't there. Jeff Wilson, seven rushes for 47 yards. Raheem Mostert, nine rushes for 42 yards. Neither of them really got in a consistent rhythm. Debo Samuel, six catches for 73 yards. We didn't get Debo Samuel going until later in the game. And I was a little bit disappointed in that, that I think we really needed to get the balls the ball into the hands of our playmakers and we didn't get the ball to Debo Samuel enough until the second half when it was you know we were already far behind at that point but Brandon Ayuk just continues to be a bright spot in this 49ers offense five catches for 95 yards and a touchdown Ayuk's been fantastic he's been everything I think Shanahan hoped he'd be I think he's he's been great he's been one of the best players on offense all year for the 49ers but other than that there there really wasn't much in this game, I mean, you know, Kyle Juszczyk had a touchdown, but Jordan Reed had a garbage time touchdown. But other than that, it was a it was a struggle overall for this team. And it was the same thing on defense. Jason Verrett led in tackles with 11. Fred Warner had a forced fumble. Dante Johnson had six tackles. You know, it it was what it was for the 49ers. And of course, I think we know the situation now. The 49ers are not dead yet. They're 5-7. and seven. They sit in last place. And they got to win out to make the playoffs. And it's not it's not an impossible task. It's not an easy task. They will play the Washington football team next Sunday. And on paper, it looked like an easy game. Up until yesterday when they pulled off the upset of the year by handing the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers their first loss of the season. And we'll get to that later on in this episode. Now, all of a sudden, I look at this game and I'm like, if the 49ers do not play a perfectly sound game, they are not going to win this game. Washington has proven to be very good. Ron Rivera is an excellent coach. I mean, this this game is no longer, you know, an easy game. This is a tough game, and the Niners are going to need to beat Washington, and they're going to need to beat Dallas in the next two weeks to give them a chance to compete for a wildcard spot, as if the Niners do win their next two games, Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are expected to return Week 16 against the Cardinals. 
that's the hope. That's the hope here. You know, it's it's all we ask. Beat two NFC East opponents. It's, you know, it isn't, is that a lot to ask? I don't think it is for a 49ers team that has what it takes. Overall, you look at this team, they're primarily healthy for the most part. But can they show up? That's the question. And can Nick Mullins do enough than Alex Smith? Some of the key things that I think the Niners need to do to to beat Washington next week, pressure Alex Smith. I know pressuring Josh Allen was a very tall task for this 49ers defensive line that has been struggling all year. And Josh Allen was, was mobile. Alex Smith is not a mobile quarterback at all. If this is a favorable game for the 40, if there was a favorable game for the 49ers defensive line, this is it. Alex Smith does not run the football. I mean, I've seen him time to time, especially when he was a 49er, you know, run a little bit. But Alex Smith is coming off of a major leg injury. The Niners D-line has got to get to Alex Smith. If you give him time, Alex Smith's going to do what he does and he'll make some plays. And he's getting better each week. The Niners got to run the football. If they don't run the football, they're not going to win. And that's, that is something that I was really disappointed. I know Tevin Coleman didn't look very good coming off of an injury yesterday. I honestly hope that the Niners cut him in the offseason. But, you know, it is what it is. And we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a gritty, gutty game. I think that's the way it's going to go. The Washington is a great defense. I think the Niners have a good defense when they're on their game. But... I'm looking forward to this one. It's a big one. The Niners need to win to stay alive. If they lose, they're out. That's that's how this game's going to go. Washington is going to come to play because they are playing for a division title. It's a big deal. On to some other news for the 49ers before we get to the rest of Week 13. And we'll start with some Richard Sherman news going into the offseason. Of course, Richard Sherman is back. He missed majority of the season. He missed nine games. Of course, he came back in the Rams game, played fantastic, struggled a little bit last night against the Bills. However, Richard Sherman was on an interview with Matt Mayoko, 49ers insider, a couple days ago, and he did reveal that, obviously, we know Richard Sherman is going to be a free agent at the end of this season, and Richard Sherman mentioned that due to cap space issues that he is unlikely to re-sign with the San Francisco 49ers, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a lot about this in the offseason, you know, after the Rams game. I was very upset about this news because Richard Sherman is a is a huge part of this team and he has played an essential role or not a very important role in turning this 49ers culture around under Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. But he is getting up there in age and you know I, I don't think it'd be the worst move when we have other guys to pay like Fred Warner and Trent Williams and Kyle Juszczyk. But that's more of an offseason thing. We'll get there, but, you know, thought I would talk a little bit about it, point it out, but, you know, if if Sherm leaves, it'd be unfortunate. Hopefully there is a way that he can come back, but we'll focus a little more on that when we get to the offseason. And before I get to Week 13 headlines, I'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I, I, I got to get this off my chest a little bit here, and I just want to point this out. Listen, I completely understand the 49er fans' frustration of Jimmy Garoppolo not being healthy. I completely understand that because I myself am also extremely frustrated with that our starting quarterback cannot stay healthy. A lot of teams have had this problem. It is not just the San Francisco 49ers that have had this problem. The Eagles have had this problem. The Colts have had this problem. You know, we're not the only team that has had this problem. Having said that, it honestly bothers me and I find it so bothersome that so many 49er fans would rather have a quarterback 
that can throw a deep ball than win football games. That's, that's, that's the thing that bothers me. I get it. Jimmy Garoppolo, no, does not do anything that special. But he wins football games. You know, I answer the question, why did the 49ers pay him and give him the big contract? Why did the 49ers commit to Jimmy Garoppolo so fast? And blah, 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 blah. Why did they do that? Because the 49ers were 1-10 in 10 when they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. 1-10, in 1-10. Does that sound like a winning record? No. It's a losing record, 1-10. in 10. We were one of the worst teams in football. And Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, does not really understand or know Kyle Shanahan's playbook really well. And Kyle Shanahan's playbook is a very, very complex playbook to understand. Kyle Shanahan honestly thought about sitting Jimmy Garoppolo for all six of those weeks and have him start week one of the following season in 2018 just so he could learn the playbook. And Jimmy Garoppolo comes in week 13 because C.J. Beathard got injured the previous week. Starts the Bears game, and we win. Starts the following week against the Texans. We win, and we look even better. And then he comes back against the Titans, and we win. And then slaughters a very good Jacksonville defense in week 16. And then we think to wonder, with how quarterback contracts have gone higher and higher each year, of course we knew the Niners were going to have to pay him. Jimmy Garoppolo came in and turned this team around that it was almost impossible. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan had to look at each other and be like, we would be completely stupid if we did not bring him back. He changed our team. It's like, do 49er fans forget that? I I just want to kind of make that clear. Do they forget that like we would not be here at all if it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo? We would not be... We would have not been in the Super Bowl. I know what happened in the playoffs. I understand that Kyle Shanahan may or may have not taken the ball out of his hands and decided to go to the run game. But have you also ever thought of the fact that if Green Bay's defense can't stop the run, why in the hell would we bother passing the ball? Let's just keep running down their throats, and it worked. Did it have to do with anything with Jimmy Garoppolo? No, I I honestly think it did. Why risk it, right? Jimmy Garoppolo did throw a lot of boneheaded interceptions last year. But I, I, just, I just needed to get that off my chest before I got to anything else because he wins football games, and I would take that over anything. Having said that, obviously if he's hurt, we're not going to win football games. He needs to stay on the football field. I completely agree with that, and I don't disagree with that's a very understandable reason to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Of course, if he can't stay on the field, what's the point of paying him that money for him to sit on the bench and sit in, you know, the box office? There's there's no objective of that. Having said that, I just want to give a nice reminder as to why we gave Jimmy Garoppolo that contract because we would have never won that NFC t- I don't care if the defense or the run game got him there. That's complete utter BS. We would have never beaten the Saints because let's be honest, if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play that game, last night's Bills game would have been the same result of that Saints game in week 14 if Jimmy Garoppolo did not start that game. If you want to argue that, sure. You, you can argue me on that. Argue me on that. But I don't know. I just, I, it, it, just, it bothers me every single week when people talk about it. It's like people care more about opening up the playbook than winning football games. We're 22 and 8 with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're like 5 and, and 23. I don't know what the exact number is, but it's something completely horrific record. Kyle Shanahan's record would be a joke right now as a head coach 
if it weren't for Jimmy Garoppolo. Kyle Shanahan is an incredible coach. I love him. I want him to be the 49ers coach until he retires for the next 10 years. But let's be real with one thing. If he did not have Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback, and he knows it too, he would not have the record that he has today. The 49ers would not be where they are today without Jimmy Garoppolo. Anyways, on to the rest of Week 13. Enough about that, because I know everyone just doesn't want to talk about that anymore. On to Week 13. The New Orleans Saints moved to 10-2 after beating the Atlanta Falcons 21-16. Taysom Hill got his third straight start. Another big day. Taysom Hill looks really good. Two touchdown passes, 232 yards, and 83 yards on the ground. I, I like Taysom Hill. I like what he's doing with the Saints right now. And Sean Payton's done a really nice job with him. And I think that Taysom Hill's making a good case that maybe he could be the successor for Drew Brees in the future. But for now, hopefully Brees seems to be improving, could be back in a week. It looks like Taysom Hill will start next week against the Eagles. But that Saints defense, they're playing at a very elite level right now. They've only allowed one offensive touchdown in the past 45 snaps. I had the Saints of the team beat in the NFC right now. They're looking really good. Falcons lose to the Saints and get swept on the year by the New Orleans Saints. The Detroit Lions upset the Chicago Bears 34-30 in Mitch Trubisky's second start in place of Nick Foles. The Lions trailed by 10 late in the fourth quarter, but they rallied back to win the game. In the first game without Matt Patricia as head coach, the Lions and Bears are now both tied at 5-7. and seven. The Indianapolis Colts beat the Texans 26-20. The Texans had a chance late. They were at the Colts' 5-yard line in the dying seconds, but they fumbled the ball at the 5, and the Colts improved to 8-4, and, and that play honestly kind of sums up the Texans' season. Just been so unfortunate. Tough to see Deshaun Watson be in that kind of position, but hopefully they get it right in the offseason and get the right head coach. But the Colts are right there in the AFC South Division with the Tennessee Titans. The Las Vegas Raiders won 31-28 over the Jets in the dying seconds. It what looked like the Jets were going to get their first win of the season? No, 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 no. Don't think twice. The Raiders win. In the last five seconds of that game, Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs. Of course, the Jets' defensive coordinator Greg Williams got fired shortly after that game after calling what was a very boneheaded move. He did not put like five or six safeties deep. Instead, he went with cover zero and it did not pay off at all. And the Raiders come up with a huge win, barely get past the New York Jets and the Jets remain winless. The Cleveland Browns blast the Tennessee Titans 41-35. What a win by the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield had a day, four touchdown passes and are now nine and three and are, have the third best record in the AFC and are remain atop the wild card positioning. The Browns are the five seed. The Browns look really good. I mean, this run game looks great. Baker played great. This was a really big win, honestly, over the Titans. Titans now dropped to eight and four and are now tied with the Colts for the South Division. But man, how about the Cleveland Browns? They're looking really good and maybe they can make some noise in the playoffs. But what a year it's been for Browns fans. I mean, this has been an unreal season for them. The Minnesota Vikings beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in overtime, 27-24. I did not expect the Jags to put up that kind of fight. It's a big day for both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson as the Vikings are now in the seventh seed in the NFC with a win because the Cardinals lost to the Rams. Speaking of those Cardinals, they lost 38-28 to the Rams. The Rams got back on track. They got back to the ground game. Big day from Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, and they are now in first place in the West at 8-4. Cardinals dropped to 6-6 and are now on the outside looking in in the NFC playoff picture.
Keeping things in the NFC West, how about the New York Giants went into Seattle and pull off the upset of the weekend up until their division rivals, Washington, pulled the stunt that they did. But the Giants beat the Seahawks 17-12 in a slugfest. The Giants' defense was awesome all afternoon, and they ran for almost 200 yards, and that Seahawks' defense continues to struggle in a very ugly loss for the Seahawks as they drop from the second seed in the NFC to the five seed, while the Giants are tied with Washington for first place. The Green Bay Packers beat the Eagles 30-16 as Carson Wentz was finally benched in the second half in favor of Jalen Hurts. The Packers roll to 9-3 while the Eagles stumble to now 3-8-1 and and it doesn't get any easier for the Philadelphia Eagles down the stretch here. I can sense some big changes coming in the offseason for the Eagles. The New England Patriots got back to their winning ways with their second straight win with a 45-0 blowout in Los Angeles over the Chargers in a special teams clinic as the Pats stay in the wild card race there. The Chiefs won over Denver on Sunday night, 22-16. Mahomes and Kelsey looked fantastic once again. Chiefs go to 11-1. The Miami Dolphins move to 8-4 with a 19-7 win over the Bengals, who don't have Joe Burrow. Tua and the Dolphins get another win. And then last night on Monday night, the game before the Bills and the Niners, was Washington and Pittsburgh. A lot of people thought Pittsburgh is going to smoke Washington. Washington upsets the Pittsburgh Steelers and hands them their first loss of the season, 23-17. What a win by the Washington football team. Alex Smith, Ron Rivera, the whole crew. What a win by Washington. And I think that was a huge win for them. And especially for Ron Rivera, for what he wanted to do with this team, that was a huge win for Washington. When Ron Rivera took over as the Washington head coach, I guarantee you the first thing that he wanted to do, he said, I want to rebuild this culture. This is a primarily young football team. And Washington, when you look at this roster, they do not have a ton of talent. But what he's done with this defense, to have one of the best passing defenses in the last in the National Football League, And then to go into Pittsburgh, who's undefeated, very well coached, and to win and hand them their first loss of the season, that was huge for Washington. Huge win for Washington, and they are now tied with the Giants for first place in the NFC East. So on to the updated playoff picture now, and it just seems like every week there are significant changes every single week. And we start in the AFC Pittsburgh and Kansas City are now tied for the number one seed. And I'm assuming for the next four weeks, this is how it's going to be. Every game is going to be a must win for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Both teams are 11-1. However, the Steelers, if they had won, they would have clinched a playoff berth. But because they did not, they still have to do so. The Kansas City Chiefs are the first team in the AFC to clinch a playoff berth. At 11-1, they currently sit in the two seed. But could easily pass the Pittsburgh Steelers for the one seed. The Buffalo Bills have the three seed at 9-3 and three and remain in first place in the AFC East with their win over the Niners on Monday night. Buffalo continues to look really, really good. And honestly, if it wasn't for that Hail Mary against the Cardinals, the Bills would be 4-0 and against the NFC West. The Titans have the four seed at 8-4. and four. Of course, they are tied with the Colts for the AFC South Division title, so that could change at any point in time. The Wild Cards... It seems like every week the AFC wildcards change. We've got the Browns in the 5 seed at 9 and 3, Dolphins at the 6 at 8 and 4, Colts at the 7 and 8 and 4, but obviously the Colts could jump to that 4 spot if 
they get ahead of the Titans. In the hunt, Raiders get the must-needed win over the Jets at 7-5. Ravens have to play the Cowboys on Tuesday night football. They sit at 6-5. They get Lamar Jackson back for that game. And the Patriots get a huge win over the Chargers, and they go to 6-6. So things are, I mean, things are wide open in the AFC right now. And the Patriots play the Dolphins. The Dolphins play the Raiders. The, the, I think the Raiders play the Colts in week 14. The Ravens play the Browns next week as well. So a bunch of these wildcard teams play each other in these next few weeks. So we'll see what happens in these next few weeks of what's going to happen. If I had to bet on it, I kind of like the way that it is right now. But I think the Dolphins slip out of it only because I feel like they're still a young football team. Yeah, okay, they beat the Bengals. You know, it wasn't the most impressive win. They don't have Joe Burrow. But the Dolphins have the Patriots, Bills, and the Raiders still left on their schedule. And they got the Kansas City Chiefs this week coming up too. The Dolphins have a very tough ending to their season. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. But when I look at the AFC, I don't know about the Steelers anymore. I know for the past few weeks I've said I think the Steelers and the Chiefs are the top two teams in the AFC. I don't know about the Steelers anymore, and we're going to find out a lot about the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday Night Football next week when they take on the Buffalo Bills, who look really, really good. I- I'm excited to see to see that. I mean, I know the Titans struggled against the Browns, but I still think they have something there, but I think the team to beat in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's a runaway right now. I think the Steelers don't look confident. They didn't look very good in that game against Washington. They didn't look that good against Baltimore the week before either. So I don't know what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it's probably a good thing that they lost just so they get a little, you know, kick in the behind to kind of get going. But they don't have much time to look around and point fingers because they got the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. And that's a big one for Pittsburgh. And they got Indy in Week 16 as well and a few divisional matchups too. So we'll see what happens there. But I still think this is a a Chiefs versus the field kind of thing in the AFC right now. And it's kind of who's going to dethrone the Kansas City Chiefs. In the NFC... You got the New Orleans Saints who have the one seed. They also clinched a playoff berth this weekend. They are at 10-2. and two. The Packers are in second at 9-3. and three. If the Packers win out and the Saints lose one game, the Packers would have the number one seed in the NFC. The Rams have the three seed, 8-4, and four, with their win over the Cardinals and the Seahawks losing to the Giants. The Giants have the four seed at 5-7. and seven. On the wild cards, Seattle drops from the two to the five at eight and four. The Buccaneers were on a bye week. They're at seven and five and in the sixth seed. And the Minnesota Vikings jump into the seventh seed at six and six as they jump the Cardinals, who have now lost two in a row. Cardinals now at six and six in the hunt, followed by the Bears, Lions, and Niners, who are all five and seven. And then of course Washington, who's five and seven, who are tied with the Giants for the NFC East title. So a lot of drama in the NFC too. I mean, this could go either way. I think it's going to go come down to the wire in these last four weeks of the NFL season. But I still think the Saints are the team to beat. I think this defense is for real. I think the offense doesn't need to do much and they have the playmakers to do it. I, I, I can't see anyone beating the Saints right now. I think the Packers might be a close second, but you can make a case that anyone else, I, I just don't know about. I mean, the Rams have looked really good at times, and then not so great at times. The Giants could be a pain in the butt in the first round. All of a sudden, we went from saying a few weeks ago, hey, if you're getting the five seed, you're getting an automatic win, and you're moving to the divisional round. Now I don't I don't, I don't quite think, think that, because we've seen the Rams struggle at times, 
the Seahawks struggle at times, the Buccaneers struggle at times, and the Vikings just won an overtime game against the 1-10 Jaguars. I don't know if that's much of an accomplishment. And then the Cardinals don't look so good, and neither does really any team in the hunt. I think the Niners, from that game against Buffalo last night, they still have a lot to prove. Obviously, you can blame a lot on the injury front. So the NFC is still very wide open in a lot of different ways. And the and why I say this is because, yeah, right now the Saints and the Packers look like the runaway top two teams. But if the Rams get hot, they make a good case that for an upset. The Seahawks, we know if Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf get hot, what they can do. Tom Brady and the Bucks, you can never count out Tom Brady. So the NFC is still not done yet. There's a lot of football left. But I think the Saints and the Packers are still the two best teams in the NFC, but there's a lot to be settled in these next four weeks. Speaking of games that need to be settled, week 14, there are some really good games in week 14, starting with Thursday night football, the Patriots at the Rams. That's going to be an exciting one on Thursday night. Can't wait for that one, a rematch of a Super Bowl two years ago. The Chiefs take on the Dolphins in the AFC. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. We'll really see what Brian Flores' defense is made out of in that one. Cardinals at the Giants. That's a huge game. And of course, Niner fans, you better be rooting for the Giants for the second straight week because we need the Giants to win that game badly. And the Giants need to win that game badly to keep pace with Washington. The Vikings at the Bucks. Whew, that's a big game. A lot of wildcard implications in that one. Bucks need to win badly. If you're a Niner fan, you are rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game. Colts at the Raiders. Big game. A lot of wildcard implications in that one. Washington at the Niners, a lot of playoff implications in that game as well. Niners fighting for their playoff lives. Washington trying to stay in first place or tie for first place with the Giants in the NFC East. Steelers at the Bills on Sunday night. I can't even remember the last time the Bills hosted a Sunday night game. It is a shame that Bills fans won't be in the stadium for that one because it would be insane. It would be a spectacle if the Bills Mafia was in the stadium for that game. But that's going to be an awesome game. Can't wait for that one. And the Monday night, Ravens at the Browns. That's a huge, huge game for both teams. Another statement game for the Browns. Ravens, a must-win game for them too. Week 14 should be a very good week in the NFL. And now it is time to crown our Week 13 Weekly Award winners for the 49 Away Podcast. And we'll start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award. The candidates were Josh Allen, who destroyed the Niners defense all night long. He was 32 for 40, 375 yards and four touchdowns. Josh Allen was awesome all night long against the Niners. Baker Mayfield, who was 25 for 33, 334 yards and four touchdowns. Baker Mayfield had... Arguably one of the best games of his entire career on Sunday against the Titans. Darren Waller with a career day for the Raiders. 13 catches for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Huge day for Darren Waller. And Devontae Adams, once again a candidate. 10 catches, 121 yards and two touchdowns. The winner of this week's Jerry Rice MVP of the Week award that you guys voted was Josh Allen. I completely agree with this. Josh Allen was awesome last night giving the Bills their first win on Monday night since 1999. And the Bills looked really good against a very sound 49ers defense. So Josh Allen, the Jerry Rice MVP winner for this week. The Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week Award. The candidates were the New England Patriots, who dominated the LA Chargers 40 
Chargers 45 to nothing. The New York Giants, who upset the Seattle Seahawks 17 to 12. The Cleveland Browns, who beat the Tennessee Titans and were up 38 to 7 at halftime. And then the Washington football team with a huge win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The winner of the Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award for Week 13 is the Washington football team. I could not agree more about this one. I mean, Washington was a team that, you know, was very young. They don't have much talent, but they are very, very well coached. And it showed on Monday night, and they handed the Pittsburgh Steelers their first loss of the season. That was an extremely impressive win and the signature win of the year for Ron Rivera in his first year as head coach for Washington. The Cody Pickett L of the Week award, the candidates were the Jets losing on the fail Mary against the Las Vegas Raiders or the Los Angeles Chargers getting shut out at home to the New England Patriots. The winner that you guys voted for the Cody Pickett L of the Week was the LA Chargers getting shut out at home. I thought this was kind of surprising. I thought the, I thought the Jets for sure would have won this week's award because, I mean, that was just an, an epic fail and an epic collapse by the Jets. But, I mean, the Chargers, yeah, I mean, getting destroyed 45 to nothing at home, I mean, that'll do it for sure. That is for sure an L, 100%. And the Chargers are a very talented team. They should have not been dominated that much by the Patriots like they were in that one. So definitely the Chargers, Cody Pickett, L of the Week winners for this week. And last but not least, the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award. The candidates were the Washington football team and the New York Giants who had upset wins or the Cleveland Browns beating the Tennessee Titans on the road. The winner of the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week award is the Washington football team and the New York Giants absolutely deserved Washington and the Giants came up with huge wins for their teams and they were they've been in an absolutely horrendous division this year and the fact that they both came up with huge huge wins on the road in hostile environments obviously there's no fans but still very impressive wins for Washington and the New York Giants. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Week 13 Recap of the 49 Away Podcast. Hope everyone has a great ending to their week and we will see you next week and of course Don't forget to give the 49er way a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis.